And that's another point. I figured out that the only one who can challenge me as I wish is probably myself at this point. <laughs> Hi, you're listening to Looks Like Work. I'm your host, Chedma Kleinler, and yeah, it's the least pronounceable name you've ever heard, but you'll get used to it. I'm a serial entrepreneur who's obsessed with curiosity, creativity, and grit, and that's just to get started. I really can't get enough of learning more about people's career choices. What fulfills them? How do they deal with burnout, with heartbreak? How do they protect their boundaries? And is it all even working? Those are questions that keep me up at night and I hope to explore here. On this podcast, we'll have deep conversations with entrepreneurs, artists, people juggling a few jobs, sometimes even a few industries, sharing what looks like work for them. With that, on to the episode. I really hope you'll enjoy it. Efrat Degan, CEO and founder of Workaround, an all-around renaissance woman. Welcome to Looks Like Work. Wow, Hedva, what a start. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's fun. It's a regular conversation dressed up as a podcast. <laughs> so it's a way for us to have a chat. <laughs> it's an excuse. <laughs> I missed you. I missed you as well. Yeah, okay, so uh, before we start or continue gushing and like just catching up, yeah. uh, let's take a pause and ask you the question you've been waiting for. I thought, what looks like work for you? What looks like work for me currently is Workaround, which is the name of my business that I uh, established about a year ago. The name tells it all. Everything I do is around work, both my own work, but also uh, Uh, the world of work is what makes me tick. So whether it's helping companies find their next workers or uh, helping people figure out their careers or uh, figuring out what does look work look like in the future. So all these thoughts, so everything I do is somehow around the subject. So I think looks like work is everything I do. <laughs> basically yeah <laughs> what looks like work for you is work <laughs> a lot of work yeah <laughs> I love it <laughs> and I love I, I really love I don't know if I told you enough how much I love the name of your business workaround which started as a blog right yeah I mean well I did I did start the blog with uh, with the thought that it might become a business eventually but yeah I just started writing. But I, I have to say that when I named the blog this way, I, I thought that it's going to become, you know, my business eventually. I had no idea when will it happen, though. Yeah. So you started, you started the blog and you started kind of consulting and doing a lot of advising and mentoring, including to me. And thank you, by the way, about that. While you were holding some really cool and really serious corporate jobs, you want to talk a little bit about your experience and what brought you here and how like radically different in a way what you're doing in the last year has been, even though it's also in another way, exactly like a, 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 an organic continuation of the same flow. You actually hit upon a really interesting point, so and I'm not surprised. And I oh, have thanks. to say, uh, so, so basically what I did was grow organizations, uh, managing their talent acquisition teams. I worked for Google for many years, then for Lyft, for a startup later. And then uh, I found, I think like 
I got to think a lot about it. First of all, I thought, what am I going to do post Google? Okay, like what kind of job would I like later? And it was very clear to me that at some point I would like to venture out and do something on my own. I wasn't clear on what. But also when I was in the U.S., it's an interesting story, actually. There are a few formative uh, experiences that have led me here. One of them is that I remember um, interviewing a lady uh, many, many years ago. And she also worked for one of these, like, you know, FANG or similar jobs. And at the point which I've met her, I saw that she helped she worked for this big tech company, and I think I met her like a few, like maybe a decade after she left one of her corporate jobs. And what I saw she was doing at the point kind of gave me a scare. <laughs> I said, what am I going to do after I'm going to leave? And I started thinking that I need to be really conscious about that and figure it out. You know, anyone, you know, should plan what they're going to do. But like my thought is that the more I am kind of like aiming for something, the more the more chance it will happen. So so I started thinking about it early on, maybe five or six years before I actually left, left my corporate job and reading a lot of stuff. And during my years in Mountain View, so I relocated uh, with my job to, uh, to the Silicon Valley and worked for Google and Mountain View. And during those years, I was involved in a program called Career Guru. And Career Guru was a program that Google had for, for employees to mentor other employees. And I signed up for this plan as a guru, mentoring careers for Google employees, which are always fun. And people would just sign up and come talk to me. And as part of that, they offered a coaching uh, workshop or, or certification. So I went ahead and did that. And during this uh, workshop, I learned that I can actually gig as a Googler. Now, Google would usually would not let people work outside their day job. But this was a workaround. So this was like a fix. <laughs> I love it. They gave me the, re- the, they offered the chance to actually continue and do mentorship work outside of our day job. Because for the certification, you need, you know, some hours as a coacher. By the way, I never chased the certification itself, but I, I took the recipe of, you know, how to uh, actually be able to work outside and and started gigging outside of work as a coacher. And it was so fun because finally it felt like I, I did both jobs. My job was, you know, I was already 10 years at Google. You know, I'm not saying I didn't work hard, but I knew the job. It wasn't as strenuous as someone just starting. And um, in Silicon Valley, you know, like work is more sane. So uh, I started yeah, more sane than Israel, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I, I started just doing this, you know, in my free time uh, without having a website or doing anything and just playing around with it and seeing how I feel. Like, how does it feel for me? And it was so exciting. I felt like the, the first, you know, payment I got as a coacher, I, I felt like it's like, it's like I'm young again. This is my first job and I'm earning my first dollar. And this is how it started. It started slowly. And at the beginning, I started doing it along my work. And I even took a few or like a couple of smaller organizations that, you know, I helped their employees to the point which, you know, when I returned to Israel a few years later, I could actually step out of my job and have a business already that's almost wrapped up. I'm not I'm not saying you know it was fully wrapped up, but I was already 
uh, in the know of, you know, everything about how, how to write a proposal, how to, uh, how to land a proposal, you know, how to work with clients. Like, you know, it, it wasn't fully, but I, I wasn't afraid of it. I already felt like I was trained in a way. So this was like sort of my yeah it was it wasn't completely new to you yeah it's, it was sort of like a sandbox like you know oh I love I love that metaphor it was really interesting because during my somehow during my time in the US there was a lot of talk about gig work and you know how work is falling apart it was pre the pandemic and I actually read a lot of book about slashers and about people who are actually working in different professions and you know doing different things they enjoy and it really spoke to me because i'm i am i I never do one thing <laughs> I mean even when I wasn't yeah and I think that's 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 a really important point to say because it seems like you've been in like at Google for like over a decade in the same you know. capacity in writing recruiting and staffing all of that looks like I'm a regular person with a regular job looks right very very yeah looks very vertical very like aligned but then for people who actually know you and know what a persona you are in Israeli tech and I'm sure in other in other uh, ecosystems as well you were very much an intrapreneur because you started working at Google. When they just opened their branch in Israel and you found yourself doing a lot of things, so even though you were inside one organization for years, talking about slashers having like a few different kind of jobs and like you know recruiter slash entrepreneur slash mentor, you want to talk a little bit about like what you built here and how you found yourself involved not only building stuff from scratch at Google Israel but also, mentoring startups creating events for HR tech startups when nobody knew about HR tech yes so I don't know if no one knew but uh, definitely weren't weren't a lot of events or forums this is the thing I think because Google at the time was very open to 20% and even informally like as long as I could do my job successfully and there was like you know peace uh, in means of my data <laughs> Then I got the, uh, the golden currency of being able to do other things. And I, I actually could, you know, I, I'm going to say this carefully because it's going to sound a little bit fraught, but, but I, I, I <laughs> felt like I was like, you know, um, doing some, uh, you know, entrepreneurial work while working in a very big corporate that is very corporate, but I could do it because I, Because as long as things worked and work ticked and I was doing, you know, maybe doing more than I was expected to do, then I was allowed to, I, I was, there was a lot of freedom at Google, as long as you met your goals. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I actually, you know, do all sorts of things. So as you said, like I worked with uh, HR tech companies as, a, as an advisor for the, you know, advisory board uh, you know informal positions but I was still doing it I did events I spoke at different conferences I did a lot of external work which wasn't necessarily disconnected from my day job because as a as someone who manages talent acquisition at a global company you know you need to be out there you need people know you you know you're expected to take a front seat. So all this networking, mingling, all this, you know, uh, being in the front, it helped my job as well. Yeah, I definitely think it's like kind of 
it nurtures each other, right? It's kind of a righteous cycle. It's one of the things I believe and wrote about. You know, I say in and out, like what you do inside an organization trickles out and what you do outside of an organization builds your name also in the organization. And there are two things that are interconnected. So so what I'm saying was that uh, uh, I got some more freedom than I expected. And the interesting thing was that w- when I moved to the headquarters in Mountain View to a, to a more uh, headquarter job, I suddenly realized that the job that I had in Israel was completely different from the job I had at the headquarters. And not just because it's a different location. Sure, you know, that doesn't hurt. But because um, I had a lot of informal uh, hats in my job as a talent acquisition manager, representing uh, the Israeli side, doing all sorts of work. And I didn't have them on the other side. And I said, I actually like doing all those things, right? Like, I, I, I like being a talent acquisition manager, but the kind that I was before, I don't know exactly what, this kind looks a little bit different. I can learn from it, but I'm not sure this is what makes me tick. And it made me think, it's interesting. It's kind of what you you bring into the job. And interestingly enough, this kind of led me to the fact that I said, okay, another formative story why I became why I wanted my own business is at some point I noticed that even if I don't do anything, people would make me, would come to me with, you know, requests for work or like my professional identity started disconnecting from my job. Or even if I didn't work, I would still be very busy because people would reach out to me and ask me things and want, want to come talk to me, etc. Your plate will just get full. That's so interesting. Yeah. And the other point was another thing, uh, which I think you kind of uh, referenced to is that at some point I noticed that I can do everything I love just independently. Like I don't need an organization to sponsor me anymore. (laughs) I liked working at organizations for some time, but now I can actually extract the parts of the job that I loved most and just, and just do those get paid and have all the freedom in the world. So just actually, you know, that's what looks for looks like work for me, right? Yeah. So so that's a good segue to ask what what are those parts? What what are the parts of the of the work that you enjoyed or still enjoy the most? Yeah. So as a as a leader and as a manager, I was really strong in mentoring and developing others, and I find that I still enjoy doing that. So I I work closely with uh, talent acquisition managers with heads of talent, uh, sometimes with VPHRs, sometimes with founders. And I help them figure out how to grow the companies and scale them easily in everything, which means it might be their leadership skills. It might be how to work with the team. It might be uh, something around how to put together a sound strategy. And I enjoy developing and watching others succeed and being their kind of like secret secret resource that kind of like whispers in their ears and, you know, see them show up, you know, and evolve and take it forward. So, so that's developing managers, developing teams, uh, helping professionals succeed in different ways. And also seeing, you know, a very, very varied scope of companies with different challenges. That's super interesting because like I'm not focused just on one company. So that's super interesting. You know, each company has its own story, its own challenges. 
Yeah, and you get to play. That's one of the things that I also love with my work at Rooms and Words, that you get to you get like to hop between these different stories and personalities and challenges. And it's so fun. It's like, it's, there's never a dull moment. And you get to do all sorts of really interesting projects that, so when I say this is what I do, that's actually simplifying it. <laughs> yeah. Because maybe that's the breadth of what I do, but uh, it's still evolving. It's, it's, it's almost a year now, you know, it keeps growing and changing and scaling And I keep developing new concepts and new ideas. And the, the wonderful thing about it is that I can always, you know, try new things and do different projects. I don't have to define exactly, like, who says that I can't do something else, right? Like, and, and you, can, you, can play it, you can play with that and just decide, right, yeah. later. So there's a lot of room for partnerships, a lot of room for, like, working with people that I care for or I appreciate them and... You know, figuring out a lot of creative work and it keeps me fresh. It keeps me going. You know, I'm excited about uh, every new week. And that's another point. I figured out that the only one who can challenge me as I wish is probably myself at this point. <laughs> so, yeah, I love that. So, you know, I like a lot of challenge in my work. And I found that in the last job, some of my abilities weren't being put to use and I'm not saying because you know it's no one's fault it's just that I had a lot of experience already and there are there are probably jobs that would you know challenge me but this way I get to navigate yeah and sometimes like an organization just isn't at the place where they need this specific capability but it's a shame that it would go to waste and I love that I can really relate to what you said though I think like how Your biggest challenger is yourself and how you are the most you would be the most effective in pushing yourself forward. I think that is something that a lot of times goes like unspoken when it comes to building a new business or just even a new initiative or even looking for a new job, which is your forte, so you will you tell me sometimes it's not just about being happy or ha- unhappy. Or being challenged or unchallenged it's about like really feeling like you're growing not only in order to go to the next step or rung in the corporate ladder but in order to feel fulfilled and just like interested right yeah I mean this way I can learn anything I want you know to try new things at any given moment I have a few things on the back burner just how I operate and And you know, um, it's fun to think things come to life. And it's great to see, you know, how things, you know, uh, evolve. And I'm sure that, you know, in a year or in two years, I'm still going to find a lot of stuff to do. And, you know, it's, it's, it's like an evolution. But being a business owner adds another layer of challenge, right? Like figuring out you know, how, to, how to work, how to scale, et cetera. You know, keeping your balance, I mean, you talk a lot about that in your uh, podcast about, you know, bal- balancing act of how not to burn out. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So there's a lot of learning, a lot of muscle that you need to achieve, you know, and, and, uh, to succeed in this area as well. So, yeah, I want to go back to what you said about being kind of that secret sauce that like partner, uh, I would say that Jiminy Cricket. <laughs> um, for managers or talent because when you were talking about that I almost teared up because you were that for me in a different capacity as an entrepreneur 
who was like first time tech entrepreneur and uh, working on an HR tech product, you were really that person for me almost from the beginning. And that was really not an obvious thing because we met kind of like out of the blue, like from a cold intro and you just, I just came to your office. Someone introduced us. I don't even remember. Did someone introduce us? Because I, I don't, don't remember, remember if it was maybe like, maybe. Uh, you reached out, but maybe I, we need to uh, check the, the history. Pages. The records. Yeah, maybe a tour from Comatech, from the Accelerator. I, I don't really remember. But I, I remember I was really late to our meeting and I was mortified and I felt really bad. And I was like super scared. I was like this meeting, this like scary senior like role person yeah scary hr at google and like these like very intimidating offices and i was sitting outside like i i was late but you let me (laughs) you let me also (laughs) wait for a while and then i came into you yeah and then and then we just went into that like little uh fun kind of cozy meeting room and we just immediately hit it off and like just spoke like old friends. And later on, I went and I saw that we have a lot of friends in common and they're all in the design industry. And we just started talking about home decor books. It makes absolute sense, right? I was like, oh, now I know why I liked her. Because <laughs> she likes she likes design as well. <laughs> but you were really my go-to first in Israel. And then every time I would go to the Bay Area for business I would just like crash sometimes literally I would like just sleep in, in your house um <laughs> whether you liked it or not, or, not. <laughs> or just like even when I when I wasn't I would just like crash at your like kitchen table like sigh out like the whole day and beyond like just being an amazing friend you were always such a wise mentor and consultant and a person to like really kind of a sounding board but can actually challenge me and like hold me up to truth when I was when I needed to to face the reality and uh beyond just saying that I appreciate it and thank you for that and I will never forget it uh I also think this is like probably what makes you so good at what you do my guilty pleasure. And I don't mean just the home decor uh, book recommendation. <laughs> I think you highlight an interesting thing is that uh, I've always played that part be- before, even before that I actually became my job. But it also it's also connected to how I think I operate, which is like I, I just, I do a lot of things that might not, you know, to someone else, they might seem unfocused. Okay, I spend time on lots of things that, you know, maybe like, you know, like if some business, like this business expert would come and tell me how to run my business, they would seem, you know, out of the way. I, I would like to see to see someone there. Yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> but I'm saying like, you know, I spend a lot of time on things that aren't necessarily any, and, and it means like, you know, talking to people that I like, meeting people that, you know, there might might not be an immediate, you know, goal to the meeting, which I don't care about. I don't care about immediate goals. But it always led my life into very interesting 
places, including meeting you, of course, you know, which I'm very always been very proud of having you as a friend. And as you say, you know, we have a lot of in common that, you know, and I can actually uh, witness it now that you interview how well you know me. Without getting ready to, I don't know if you prepared for our call, but you, it, it's obvious that, you know, through your questions, how would you know me? Oh, let me tell you, I exactly. did not prepare. <laughs> so as, exactly as I was saying. So, so what I'm trying to say is that, uh, that in a way, you know, I've let that lead me so many times and I feel that it led me to super interesting friendships, collaborations, and things that maybe benefited other people and myself as well. I also feel that, you know, I grew by uh, working with you, knowing you, what's formal and formal, paid, commissioned or not, doesn't really matter to me. You know, eventually it all leads to prosperity in one way or another. And I just feel it's the right thing. Yeah. I love that. It all leads to prosperity one way or another. So I have a question that kind of branches off of that. And then we'll do kind of a zoom out and look a little bit at what's happening in the world and in the market right now, because it's so, so interesting when it comes to people and work. But before that, one more question about you, Eflat. So you mentioned that, and, and I really witnessed that with you, that kind of playfulness and just curiosity and kind of permission to explore. And I'm wondering, because on the one hand, it seems like, you know, it would be like very intuitive to say as a business owner, you have more freedom to do that, right? On the other hand, knowing you, and also like in general, actually, I think sometimes, you know, when you're in a larger organization, especially a corporate, and you have like kind of this very big umbrella of what you do, it's easier to do that, right? Because you're also not like, okay, I'm exploring that, but I still need to know like how much money I'm going to bring in at the end of the month, or just like, is this the right goal for my business? So would you say, uh, how is this different between corporate and business ownership, if at all? It's super interesting. First of all, not all corporates are like this. Some, some people work, you know, they don't have a minute a day. I think I always uh, had a very healthy, healthy ability to balance. I, you know, even as a corporate, as a, as a corporate executive, I, you know, I stepped out when I needed to, I, I, I said so before, I think it has to do something with the ability to, to plan and to strategize and to be able to do your job. In a way, I say, you know, like if you achieve your job, you get freedom, right? Like if you will always, pre- you will underperform, you will have to work longer hours. Now it's, it's easier said than done, but I'm just saying like in my mind, I will always figure out what would help me. And it also serves me now in a way. So what I'm saying, I agree with you. If you get a salary, you know, you're a salaried employee, you get your, your salary once a month, you, you maybe can... Well, in some jobs, maybe you can take some time away to uh, do some other stuff. And it takes, I think, some practice. Of course, as an entrepreneur, you have to go through that time equals money equation that you start getting used to. Like, you know, if I'm not working, I'm not earning. But I think that's just an early concept. I think the more you get into it, you learn that I think one of the things someone told me as I was, you know, I was considering uh, venturing out as an entrepreneur, someone told me uh, that actually you can 
max your potential much in a much bigger way as an entrepreneur you can you can earn you know just as well as you did as a, as a salaried employee but you can also make much more <laughs> like there's no limit right right so I think learning how to scale learning how to delegate it's a journey right like I think at the beginning of course like you know you need to find that balance of you know how much time to put into the business what's taking away from your uh Uh, your time, bring some focus in, of course, uh, figuring out what what brings you joy. And I'm referencing, of course, you know, <laughs> and what and what what are you are you not very good at? But then eventually, you know, you it's it's a learning curve. Right. And at some point, I'm sure that I'm going to find again that balance. And I'm not saying it's gone completely. I do take some time away because I would not survive if I won't, you know, to just do things that I love that aren't work. But I think that it's a learning curve and it is possible even as a business owner, but it takes some attention and an intent and it takes some learning. I do read and listen and think about it and learn from, you know, all sorts of people that have gone through this path before to really understand, you know, what, how to put, you know, one foot in front of the other and evolve because it's not just doing this work for the sake of it. I want to actually do it better, do it, you know, make it more successful, enjoy it more, have more fun with it. Yeah. Speaking of challenging yourself, like push yourself to, enjoy it to push yourself to like I had take it to the I had a conversation with uh, one of my uh, a lot of my uh, ex bosses all became entrepreneurs a little for <laughs> me so I had a conversation with one of them and he, I remember as I was considering it he said do you want like a lifestyle business or do you want to actually make a business out of it right like and I didn't know the answer but you know as time passes I realized that like I don't want it to be stale. Uh, that mm-hmm. would actually, you know, provide the challenge through time. Oh, well, we have so much to talk about our next coffee uh, meeting. So just to unpack a little, a little yes, bit. This podcast is not going to be enough. Yeah, <laughs> we have to. <laughs> we really, really have to have like a, a lunch soon. Uh, but basically, I, I, there's so much to unpack here. First of all, lifestyle business. I, I completely understand what he said. And I completely relate to you, but I also think that lifestyle businesses are getting like they need to get better branding because <laughs> that's completely okay. And I also completely relate because I'm at this point where you know my business is uh, a year older than yours, I believe, like two years old. And it's like very much started and by the way, it started very much thanks in part to your advice because I was kind of spinning out after having to close emerge and I was like what do I do what do I do and you said like just start doing stuff that you're good at and that you like and it will get to you you don't have to make this huge life-shattering decision <laughs> and once I relaxed and just did the work it's like oh I'm actually really enjoying it I'm actually really good at it so it started very much as like just Wow. Yeah, I am. Um, so it started as like this place to rest, kind of profession, you know, work, but rest while working after these like few years where I was like constantly on the edge of my ability and beyond. So it was almost like finding the comfort zone for me professionally, which is very, very different and weird for me. But then 
as you know, and as I think you can also relate, I'm also, I love challenging myself and I love learning. So then like, if I don't want to be, it's to be stale and I do want to scale. It's always, this is like where the questions comes back. Like, how do I challenge myself and how do I learn and I stretch and I grow? On the other hand, without risking burnout again, because it's easier to either completely burn out or to like just kind of do things in a way that is fun and great, but is maybe not growth. So now is like this scary, interesting, exciting part where I say like, hey, how do I still do that? Grow, stretch, challenge myself, challenge the business, challenge my team, but also do it in a smart and healthy way. And that I will leave for our lunch. <laughs> and, and I can totally relate to what you're saying. And I'm thinking the same way. I think the good news is that, well, having your own business, of course, you know, if the business is healthy and you're able to actually make your own calls, right? And, the mar- you know, how the market is, et cetera. But, but, but I'm, I'm thinking that the good news is that, uh, I don't know, like the, differently to a startup, the kind of businesses that we're leading now, it's more up to you, right? Like at least you are not... And there's like, you have more control. This is what I'm trying to say. So you can, you, can, you can stop working with anyone who's stressing you out or get out of the business. Yeah, you have more control. It's easier to kind of just adjust stuff. When I when I did this, people told me, oh, you're brave, you're brave. And I didn't know what they're talking about. Like, what am I like, I don't feel brave because... I don't think I told you you're brave. <laughs> I told you it's about downtime. <laughs> anyway, I didn't get I didn't get a lot of pushback from people. Like people thought it was pretty natural for me, but I did. Like you know, always people say people start. You know, we're telling you to tell you to kind of like reconsider, etc. I never got that. But I will say, I will say that uh, I feel less stress as an entrepreneur or as a business owner than I did as a as a corporate you know person. Because I think the locus of control, I, I'm, you know, there's still responsibility of earning and uh, of making things. But differently than that, like, I don't know, maybe some people get stressed because of, you know, because of money issues. I can get it. But for me, I feel a lot more relaxed ever since I became a business owner. This doesn't stress me at all. I love it. I love it for you. And I feel like it's such a natural fit for you. Okay, so I do want to talk a little bit about, so as we're recording this, we're after two plus years of the pandemic, the great resignation, going remote, hybrid, digital nomads. And now in the last few weeks or a couple of months, there is also some uh, market volatility, uh, which of course you with your career probably look at from a different perspective. You've been through 2008, you've been through a few of those shakeups. The bubble blast. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, you know, the market volatility right now is interesting on its own with layoffs and stuff like that. But I think what's even more interesting is how that then meets how employees and just people, you know, employees are people, news flash, uh, in general, have come in the last few years to expect more or to expect different things from work. And now this is now clashing with this specific 
yeah, economic situation. And I'm wondering what are your thoughts about what will be like, how, how will the reaction from companies and from employees will be different this time, if at all? Really interesting. I had a conversation about this just the other day. I, this is my own belief. Like I don't have anything, like it's not research and I don't have anything to pay to base it on it's just my own hunch. I don't think we're going back to the way we were before. And the, the reason is simple. Uh, we've learned a new skill. We found out a new option. And once we learn that, it will always be something that exists in our realm of, you know, how we how we think about things, how we... Uh, and yeah, AS employers, Elon Musk and others are going to try and push <laughs> office. And yes, you know, maybe economy is going to soften. And we all know most... First of all, the demand, at least in the tech world for talent, isn't gone even even with some of the companies scaling down. And, you know, there are more years of growth than years of downturns, just, you know, statistically speaking. And I think that a lot of times companies who actually make harsh choices with their employees during times of stress and of distress typically pay dearly for that, you know, decision later on. And there's actually, people do remember, and they, there's actually some research that layoffs are typically something that hurts the company long-term. And you have to be very thoughtful before, you know, you decide to act this way. I'm not saying, you know, if your business doesn't survive, maybe you have to, but I'm just saying you need to be thoughtful and there are other maybe acts that you can, take or measures before actually cutting down or if you grow very quickly and then you know downsize very quickly now typically these kind of companies they do not perform well later on and of course we're stuck talking about about this statistically but but what i'm trying to say is i i think that in any case it's not i don't think it's we're never going to go back to the office full-time to the way we worked before. And employees do have more, still more power. It's not just about, you know, when supply and demand affects the market, but it's not just that. The whole, the way, the whole way things are built now, you know, with social and how, uh, how views are created and how people influence each other, etc. The employees have are more empowered than they were like 20 years ago because they know more, they are more exposed to things, and also they've changed. They've changed. This pandemic was long enough for people to just change their preferences, to change how they think, and they have more power in the equation, not just because of who pays the money. So, of course, in the short term, they might have to, you know, Go back to the office, etc. But I think you know, as when people learn a new skill or have taste a new kind of reality, I even see it myself when yeah. I have to decide whether I meet someone and drive to you know be in traffic two hours for a face to face meeting or have the office. <laughs> Especially when you know I get paid for my priorities shift. Yeah. I think it's a shift, and I don't, I don't, I don't think it's gonna. I think it might, you know, just like the market soften a little for a while, but I, I don't think it's anywhere near to change everything. 
So even as the market might go into being like an employer's market for a while, there are some things, there is some power that employees will not give away or not, at least not for, not permanently. It's funny. It's like having this employer market is like a wet dream of people. I, you know, but I don't think it's coming <laughs> back. I'm sorry. I don't think it's coming back anytime soon. I think it has to do with, you know, the change of the world of work. I think it's like we're no longer in, you know, in the industrial age. It's like we've we've come away from that. And it's it's more about people valuing more flexibility and freedom and, and having to do with a lot of deeper changes in society. I mean, you know, the big the great resignation and everything that it, it's a change in people's preferences, lifestyle. And of course, you know, the things I'm saying They're privileged in a way. It doesn't have to do with, but even people who are lower, uh, lower wage employees have decided to move away from the job, even when they didn't have, you know, another option. Yeah. And also there are always like, not always, it's definitely, as you said, a privileged uh, standpoint, but there are different options that didn't necessarily exist 20 years ago where people can be gig workers if they're not super happy with the other alternative they sometimes will choose something that's just less traditional and make it work and make the money come in uh, while they're kind of holding their standards on on the job market right and look at us head of both of us right like we stepped away from like you were entrepreneur anyway but I mean we we decided we want to work on our own today the uh, the threshold for working on your own is Is much easier than it was all you need is a computer or some Wi-Fi and you know of course a few more things but, totally but but I what I'm saying is that people have more options this is what you're saying it's easier and I I admit some of part of my wanting to step away from my job was freedom like I felt like you know I didn't want to go like I didn't want someone telling me how many times I need to go back to the office why should someone tell me I you know I want to decide when I want to work from home or not no totally and I'm I'm always inspired by my team because they're all freelancers and part-time and they like each of them handles her work and life balance so differently some of them are completely digital nomads like really spending different months in different places in the world some of them will combine you know they will work with me but also with other clients some of them will work with me but then on their spare time maybe volunteer or do other things and I I constantly look up to them because it's so interesting to see like this group of eight women who are you working on the same thing so to speak but are like really speaking about freedom as you said like each have like such different degrees to which like how they express their freedom and flexibility absolutely and a couple of things relating to what you just said first of all people want to have the freedom to actually put together you know what the, the, the kind of job they want to craft for themselves maybe I want to do some things that aren't paid because I enjoyed them when it maybe I want to volunteer maybe I want to uh, take some time away to learn something like people want to be able to craft their future and uh, there's also maybe jobs that are more you open or more uh, more compatible with you know like being almost like a turtle with your <laughs> with your job on your back <laughs> I love that some jobs 
do not have that kind of privilege, right? Maybe if you're a doctor, you have to go to the hospital, you know, or maybe, you know, there's, there's some tele, telemedicine today, but still, like, I think that, you know, people are maybe going to choose their profession or their work according to how much flexibility it gives them and flexibility on many axes. It's not just being at the office or out of the office. It can be many different things, right? Like hours, it can be, it can be who you work with, et cetera. It could be like working synchronously or asynchronously, which is huge, especially for introverts, I think. No, it's not going away. I'm wondering... I can't I can't like wrap this up without talking about what's on the news this week with the SCOTUS uh, overturning Roe v. Wade and specifically how companies are kind of reacting to this. And this is super interesting because on the one hand, you know, my liberal self is like, wow, way to go. On the other hand, it's also kind of scary having companies really involved in your personal right health situation and very very personal I don't know if I trust those big companies to you know <laughs> to not use it against women because we know that companies are not very good at not using stuff against women any thoughts about this reaction it's kind of an HRPR thing yeah I I, I was gonna say the same it feels a little bit populistic to me. And it's kind of sad that, you know, companies have to step up or sometimes you think about how companies are becoming more, more powerful than states, you know, uh, in how, in what they're able to achieve. I kind of wonder, like, you know, uh, who's, who's going to use this, uh, who's, who's going to use this ticket. I, I kind of cringed. I have, I, I, cr- I cringed toward yeah. all, the whole subject. It's, it's kind of like, it's terrible. And uh, the fact that, you know, uh, employers are being the omnipotent, you know, uh, pr- provider of uh, mm, fertility, uh, I, I get out of our organs. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, you know, in general, I, I feel cynical. I, I wanted to say, the only thing I want to say, Chadba, is that... Uh, um, that I feel that sometimes these decisions are made from, from, you know, maybe they don't want to lose talent that will migrate out of, you know, these countries. So sometimes, you know, immigration considerations or understanding of how it affects, like if people are going to, you know, move to another country because of this. So they want to eliminate that. And, and, you know, and maybe they want to do good, but it comes across a little bit. Cynical. Yeah, I I completely agree. I think it's good that they stand up and they, you know, against this and that they have a say, even though that always makes me cringe because what happens if the company is then like on the other side of things, like how would it make, you know, it, it's a little, it's a little problematic, but also the entire thing of like the US where, where people are reliant on their employer for healthcare in general, not only in this situation, is so, so problematic. And I think this really takes it to another level. I agree. I, I also want to say I had a lot of thoughts and I wrote about it, about bringing your whole self to work. I don't think people need to bring their whole self to work. I think it's tricky. I think people need to have themselves outside of work as well. They need to bring themselves home. And I think people need to feel well 
at work, feel included, etc. I'm not saying they shouldn't, but I don't think people need to to have all their selves expressed at work. I don't think that's the job of your workplace to uh, have you. I, I don't. As you said, I'm not sure workplaces know how to treat employees or accept their whole selves. Exactly. And, and a workplace isn't a state. It's not a country. If something goes wrong or if someone, you know, if the management changes and there is someone cynical or, you know, who has like different ideas about privacy and trust gets a hold of your details, it's very, very dangerous. It's exactly that, but it's not your family and it's not, there's no reason you're going to invest 100% of yourself at work, even if it's a really good job, because you need to have your own standing, your own, you know, your own base that is out because work is something transitional. Even if you work somewhere 25 years, you're, that's longer than a life sentence. You're not going to be... It's your work is not something constant in your life, and you need some stability. And it's transactional, also. Exactly. exactly, and that's why I think that's in a way that bring your whole self to work is a little bit cynical. I do think workplaces need to tr- to treat employees well, and people need to feel comfortable at work. But I don't think employees should invest a hundred percent of themselves and see their employers as their, as their savior. No. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, because you're gonna be you're gonna be very disappointed if you do. Yeah. Yeah. So Farad, so I won't ask you again what looks like work for you, but I will say uh that I miss you very much. I had so such a fun time and such an interesting time talking to you today. And we will have lunch or breakfast soon. I I, I am uh counting on it. And thank you for inviting me. I had so much fun and I I feel like uh You know how to interview, Hedva. You have a, a good skill. I don't know. <laughs> Thank you so much. And if not, I wish I could just bottle up your essence and give that to everybody to like start their morning with you. I'll show you my, my mug, which I don't know if you like or not, but it's a mug by Adam JK. And it says, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And then it scratches out the never work a day in your life. And it says, do what you love and you'll work super hard all the time with no separation or any boundaries and also take everything extremely personally. Uh, so I feel so like that is exactly lovely. the opposite of what we were talking about. Exactly. Uh, you should be careful drinking from that cup. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get you one for your birthday. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ifat. Where can people find you online, stalk you? On LinkedIn, on on Facebook, uh, both on my personal profile. Also, there's a, the Workaround page has both a LinkedIn and a Facebook page. And uh, the Workaround blog is in Hebrew, unfortunately, but, in, uh, but that's also uh, somewhere I can be found. It's, it's worth the Google Translate, you guys. Thank you so much, Efrat. It's me again. So we're doing this new thing where I'll be hopping up after each interview and just sharing some thoughts and feelings about it. First of all, how amazing is a flat? Wow. I'm <laughs> when I say I wish we could bottle our essence and just give it to everyone. I, I really mean it. And I mean it for us, you know, just as people and 
And I also mean it as like, how amazing would it be if we could give that to our managers, organizations, employers, etc. How amazing would life would be? So definitely look a flat up. Most of her writing these days is in Hebrew, but you can scroll down or you can just use Google Translate and try to decipher what she says because I mean it. It's really worth it. She has been very, very modest in this episode. Ifat was, she kind of still is the mayor of tech in Israel. You know, when accelerators like startup accelerators and programs would do tours of the Google offices or just like kind of help out startups, uh, startup founders and have them meet uh, key people in the tech ecosystem. Um, if that would be up high up on that list. And that isn't very common for someone in HR and specifically in recruiting. And I feel like, you know, I have like this, this recurring question about burnout, which I've been phasing out a little bit just in order to keep things interesting and fresh. But this is something that I didn't even feel the need to ask a lot because whether she was, you know, whether she's in corporate, whether she's in a startup, whether she is in Israel or in the Bay Area, whether she's like, her own thing. Um, I always got the sense from Frat that she just has this strong, balanced core that isn't kind of waiting. It's not going anywhere. Um, just a very, very strong, calm sense of self that I wish, like I said, that we could all bottle and drink with our coffee or <laughs> use it as a face oil or something. So this is the question I will leave to you at the end of this episode is what do you think would be the ingredients for that? Like what could be helpful to have that strong, unbudging sense of self no matter where you are at work? Hmm, think about it. I, I will. I will for sure. Okay, take care. See ya. Thank you for listening to Looks Like Work. You can find resources, links, and of course the episode's show notes at roomsandwords.com. That's rooms, like a room, and words, and like an end.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, I really, really hope that you'll like my newsletter too. My newsletter is something that I send out every week, and I share thoughts, links, books and just other things that I find thought-provoking, interesting, somehow contributing to these conversations that we're having here, or sometimes just joyously distracting. Again, the newsletter is sent out every week, and you can find the link to sign up on my website at roomsandwords.com. And I really hope to see you there. And of course, to see you here next week. Have a good one.